We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, what's going on? Welcome to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Thanking you all for joining us today. We have a little bit of an audible today. You know, typically Fridays are made for the all-everything mailbag. You guys kind of lead the show. Give us your questions. Give us the topics, and we tackle them. We decided to audible a little bit today and bring this to you here live on a Thursday because there's some player availability tomorrow that we will be covering, obviously. So, you get double dose of recruiting talk this week, starting on a Monday, obviously, and then ending with a Friday this week. But that leaves the mailbag here today. I am Ryan Roberts, of course, Director of Recruiting here at Ash Breakdown. That guy is Brian Driscoll, publisher here, publisher here <laughs> at irishbreakdown.com. And I, I, Brian, I'm Juice, man. I know that we get the availability to talk to some of the newcomers, to, obviously, right. tomorrow. You get the opportunity to talk to some of those guys and get to pick their brains a little bit about their transition, including Sam Hartman, Caleb Smith. Well, actually, it's just going to be defensive players tomorrow. Oh, just They're defensive changing tomorrow. it, yeah. Yes, so yes. it was going to be offensive. Uh, it was, it was going to be offensive guys, but uh, with the OC stuff going on, they don't want everybody peppering these kids with a – a million questions because they could tell us, hey, guys, don't bring that up. But you know dang well that there's going to be people <laughs> in the media that will still bring it up. Yes. I know exactly who those people would be. So they just made this, in my opinion, the smart decision, just bring in defensive guys. That, look, let's be honest. There's going to be people that ask the defensive players about that because, of course, you know, it, it is what it is. But I'm looking forward to it. So it's going to be like Javante Jean-Baptiste, Thomas Harper, and the early enrollee defensive players. So we'll get – uh, Jaden Osbury will be there. Um, obviously, you, get, you know, Drake Bowen, those kind of guys. There will be one guy not there. Uh, we'll have that on the board. He, uh, One of the freshmen had an injury. Get ready to put that on the message board right now. Uh, a little intel drop. But uh, it's going to be a big group. So it's at 2.30, so I'll be there for that. we got to leave obviously early. So have you guys, you and Sean, do a show tomorrow at some point. Uh, and then, uh, of course, we'll have the, the uh, rapid fire at 5.00. So yep. I may, I may, you never know. I may, me and Vince may do that one. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see what time ever gets done. But the, they, they, it was supposed to be noon. Then it was three. Now it's two thirty. So they changed the times all around, and uh, it's it's been a, it's been a an interesting couple of days. So this that's why we're last minute saying, hey, let's do a mailbag, man. Yeah. So. Well, and, and and you want you want proof that Brian Driscoll's a grinder. He he doesn't have to do a podcast tomorrow, and he still might end up doing a podcast tomorrow, yeah. possibly. <laughs> <laughs> so. 
it's it's you know we're excited obviously to do the mailbag here today because I mean honestly this is maybe my favorite day of the week as far as doing the mailbags because I love the interaction I love the ability for the the viewers to kind of drive it because I mean that's the best part about the message board about the chat about the community here at Irish Breakdown so we have some incredible I mean literally before we even sat down to pregame this show there was like 20 questions already in the chat so you all are awesome and we look forward to diving into some of the key topics I know there's going to be some offensive coordinator questions of course there's going to be some team related questions there's going to be some random college football questions but regardless we're excited to get into this Brian I know that this is one of the favorite days of the week so unless we got anything else man no, no, we're ready to rock questions. and roll, man. We want to, we want to rock as many of these out as we can. So, yeah, come ready yep. with it. If you bring it, give us a super chat. We'll obviously put that to the top of the list. So, uh, yep. let's get let's get rolling. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So first question from Broke Neck Boy, mailbag. What exactly is the bush push rule? I see people getting pushed all the time, especially on quarterback sneaks. It's not really more. Yeah. yeah. Of course, this is referring to the 2005 game where Reggie Bush was pushing Matt Leinard at the at the goal line in the Notre Dame versus USC game, just for people that don't understand what yeah, the, push, push the rule, rule was is. basically you could not push a guy from behind. Right? You can't a eat running, a runner. Right. Yeah. They've gotten rid of that. It's not a rule anymore. Um, you know, that's basically the way that it works. You can't do that anymore. Yeah. Or you, you you couldn't do that then, but you can do it now. So that's yep. basically the 
the the the way that that rule is. So yeah, it's a good good question. Good that, that was a very it was a very impulsive decision by NCAA, yeah. obviously with the, the magnitude of that game, and then obviously you know kind of revert it back. Yep. But we have a question here from Quinn Kibler, kicking us the second question of the day off. Watching the Utah offense and saw they run a lot of the pseudo triple option or read option with a bubble tacked on. If Andy Ludwig is the guy, could be a good uh, red zone job for Tyler Buckner. Hartman could do as well. You know, I look. I I, I don't. I I guess I kind of don't under understand the the question. I mean, I I don't. I don't think that he's going to do things just because he does it, right? Andy Ludwood's been doing this a long time. I think he's going to do stuff that fits whoever's quarterback is. And if it's Sam Hartman, could he do some triple option stuff with Sam Hartman? Sure, but why? Right. He's, he's not going to be as good at it as as the Cameron Rising is, who's a who's a more of a runner than Sam Hartman. He's not going to do it as well as Tyler Buckner can. So maybe you want to like we've talked about potentially having like a Tyler Buckner package next year. You know, I think that's something that could potentially work if if they want to go that route. But I just don't think you need to force that, right? And and the reason that he does those things, I mean, if you go back and watch his offenses over the last few years, they've evolved. There's things he did with his quarterbacks when it was Tyler Huntley that he doesn't do with Cameron Rising because they had completely different skill sets. And that's what good coaches do. So they could they could certainly do some things occasionally to catch a team off guard. I mean, there's definitely merit to that. But I just don't think it's going to be something that that you're going to see them doing a ton if Sam Hartman's the quarterback. I think if they really if he was dead set on doing that in the red zone, um, then sure, go with Tyler Buckner, like he said, you know. And I, I have no problem with that. But I just I wouldn't do it with uh, with Hartman. You know what I mean? So yeah, um, I also think you're doing that stuff because of your personnel. I the only reason I'm saying that is is you look at certain principles that a coach believes in. You shouldn't obsess too much on specific plays. Right. That, that's my only thing, because unless you have a track record of a coach is going to run what he runs wherever he goes. Right. And so I wouldn't get too much into that kind of thing. I, you know, for all we know, that was something that's more geared towards that's the quarterback they had. I doubt that he was doing that with like Joel Stave at Wisconsin. Right. You know, with with uh, was it Kyle Shermer? Is that whose quarterback? Kyle was? Shermer. I doubt he was doing that with Kyle Shermer at Vanderbilt. He's doing that with the quarterbacks he has at Utah because his last two quarterbacks have been pretty decent athletes, you know, with Tyler Huntley and now Cameron Rising. So. It's more the philosophy that you look for, more so than well, he ran this particular concept and and there. But sure, I mean, with certain and honestly, you could do that more with Tyler with CJ Carr than you could Sam Hartman. I'm not going to turn CJ Carr into a runner, but there's definitely some things you can do, especially in the red zone with his legs, because CJ's a really athletic kid. I just don't want to necessarily use him to do that a million different times. Brian, the disrespect, you went Tyler Huntley and Cameron Rising. You forgot about Jake Bentley in the middle there, man. I can't believe you sure. left out. Wasn't he former, there in the COVID year? Probably. I don't or, remember. I think, yeah. I mean, we I'm really pretty sure he lost his him. job, if I, I believe, if I remember yeah. correctly. But yeah, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> I was talking about the good quarterbacks they had. Yes, that's a very good point. What I was trying to focus on. Yeah, if Jake, I could... ben, Jake Bentley was their quarterback the COVID year. So that's nice. why I didn't see him because I he only played five games. So, <laughs> and uh, wasn't very good. To, to Quinn's point, though, and I think that, Quinn, the biggest takeaway that I have from your, your statement and your question is that Andy Ludwig has shown that he can add wrinkles depending on who his quarterback is, to Brian's point, right? Like you've seen more of that emphasis when you have a Tyler Huntley, when you have a Cameron Rising who's a little bit better of an athlete. 
could you run some of that triple option stuff or read option stuff with with Tyler Buckner? Absolutely. It's not going to look the same, but I like that you added with a bubble tacked on because that's where the RPO stuff comes in with a Sam Hartman. So it might not be exactly the same concept. Like it might be not the triple option because you're pulling and then you have the option to throw it outside. It might just be more a standard RPO where if you, if you do, if you're not given, you're pulling and you're throwing out the bubble, but either way, I think that Andy Ludwig does do a lot of those slight adjustments. A lot of those, a lot of those intricacies that are tacked onto plays, because I think he does understand the strengths of his team, right? Like Kyle Shermer's one, Brian, like you talked about him, right? Yeah. He's not running the triple option stuff with him, but he is tacking on a lot of RPOs to a Kyle Shermer. You know what I mean? Because that's kind of, you know, he had guys like Kalijah Lipscomb, who was a pretty good after catch guy and kind of could work in space a little bit. So adding that little the little nuance of the RPO look off of those runs, I think is wise. And I just think that for me, you know, Andy Lubbock has shown that depending on who his quarterback is, what the structure that he has around him, the players he has around him, he can adjust and add nuance to his offense, which is the reason that I like him so much. I really do like Lubbock a lot. It, I'll, I'll say this. Look, I get asked this question many times. Who do you like the most as the offensive coordinator? I'm like, look, I, I'm just not too wrapped up right now in a guy. There's a lot of guys on the board that I like right now. They're not all going to be finalists for the job. I don't know who is going to be a finalist for the job. We know of one, Ryan, which you know people will find out, I'm sure, soon enough. We know of one, and I like him. And there's a couple other guys that are rumored to maybe be and, and I like him. I think there's only really been one coordinator on the board so far that I don't love for Notre Dame, and I like him a lot as a coach. Yeah. And that's Sean Lewis. Fit. Not right, as a Sean fit. Lewis from Colorado. Right. Like, I, I don't know if he's going to be a legitimate candidate. I think that's just another one of those internet rumor things, right? I think there's certainly some vetting that's going on because of the connections there, but I think too, too many people are running with just a, they heard a name. But, like, I'll use him as an example – I think he's a really good coach. You and I have praised him in this space before for the hire for Dion because it's a great hire for Dion because they right. need sort of that spread the field. I don't want to say gimmicky. When I say gimmicky, it's not a disrespectful thing. It's like it's like we got to scheme our way into success because we don't have the dudes to just line up and go beat people, right? I can't line up at 12 personnel like Notre Dame and go pro style and run at people because we don't have the personnel to do that. Right. And 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 it's easier to recruit to that. It's high tempo. It's getting I mean, if you want to get athletes into your if you're at Colorado. That's a great way to do it. You need to do that to be successful. That's not really where Notre Dame needs to be, in my opinion, is sort of that up-tempo spread, 10 personnel type of type of offense. I don't think it's a great fit, but, man, he's a good football coach. So at the very least, they're identifying – I think I've probably heard about seven or eight names and not Byron Leftwich, not Brian Johnson. Those weren't real names. And like Leftwich was a guy that – there was a, a brief conversation that was happened. That's as far as it went. It was never what was reported. And, and it wasn't necessarily initiated by Byron Left, which it was all this stuff was just nonsense. But there's a long list of guys that, have, that Notre Dame's talked to about this job. Some they've reached out to, others that, that have reached out to them. And and so the guys that, that we've kind of talked about are the guys that I think are the most likely candidates. And Ryan, honestly, from the names I've heard so far, there's not a guy in there that I'm like, yeah, that'd be a bad hire. Absolutely. That, even, even Jared Parker, you know, like, like look, I think the guy's a really smart football guy from people that I respect their football knowledge. So he's a smart football guy. You go hire yourself a quarterback's coach, make it a co-coordinator situation, and then you roll with it. I'm not saying that's the ideal. That's the way that I would go. But it, even if that's the fallback, 
okay, you, you know, I, I still think they're going to be a good place. There's yet to be a guy that, that I've heard from a re- real source. I'm not talking like some of the names people are throwing out there. Like somebody told me, called me and asked me about Clint Trickett. And I was like, come on, bro. Clint let's Trickett. be for real. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard that name in a long time. That's yeah, funny. he's the offensive coordinator Marshall. And I was like, bro, yeah. they scored 19 points on Notre Dame. Was, was he was, at West Virginia? He was at West Virginia at one point. He played right? at West or, Virginia. I know that. I don't know if he, co- don't know if he coached hmm. there. But he was, huh. on, um, he was on the first last chance you. I remember that. The, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, look, the guy might be good, but like, why would you hire him over Jared Parker? Sure. Right. But the the real names that I've heard so far are all good coaches. And so cool. I'm like, look, give me a good coach that fits. I, I really don't get it. I, I just want to throw that out there. Not necessarily in response to you, what you said, Ryan, but just kind of because yeah. I get asked that a lot. Sure. And I would advise all of you don't get into team Moorhead and team Ludwig and team who Klein and team whoever else just be like, look, there's some good candidates. And one of those candidates is going to get hired. And as long as they hire from that group that we're talking about, it's it's going to be all right so far. And I, I mean, can I say this, Brian? Like, obviously, you had reported at boards.irishbreakdown.com that, like, the, it seems like there's the interview process has started. There was someone on campus yesterday. And, and someone, it was funny, someone on the board was like, will, will we like this, the, the person that got interviewed? And I'm just like, well, I like it. I don't know if you're going to yeah. like it. You know, like, there's so many opinions out there. You know what I mean? I, I yeah. thought it was a really nice person to get interviewed but we'll see it as the process keeps doving forward because it's going to be interesting well we've seen that with every name so far right like yes. joe brady there's some people that love it and some people are like that's a terrible move he's overrated he didn't really call plays at lsu not accurate you know there, byron leftwich oh great brilliant mind to clueless doesn't know what he's doing i mean you you know not there's no hire that's going to make everybody happy and i mean there isn't one i was getting ready to say a name but then it was like if Sean McVay decided he wanted, but there'd be people that wouldn't like that. You know what I mean? Could you like, imagine? Could you imagine? Like Kyle, Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan bro. Yeah, steps right, down right. from the Niners because his <laughs> dream was to be the OC at the Notre Dame. You know what I mean? Oh, his two system is this, and he can't coach. And he went to three straight super, you know, uh, NFC championships and lost them all. You know, like yeah, okay, he had Brock Purdy as his, Jimmy Garoppolo as his quarterbacks in those games, right? He's like, never recruited a day in his life. Yeah, I, mean, he well, he, I think he has actually, but Probably. I think he was like a GA at Texas or something early in his career. But the the point is, that there's no hires going to make everybody happy. But sure. I, so far, I, I really like the list that I'm hearing, and yeah. and I think that's the thing, and that's why I'm, you know, like, somebody asked me today uh, why I don't put the names out. I was like, well, number one, because the sources I have asked me not to. And, and if I, this is there, I don't, I can't think of something that would be worth breaking. That would be worth me burning my reputation at Notre Dame. And so what you have to understand the process works is I ask like, Hey man, you got to keep this between us. If I tell you, okay, then I got to give them my word that I'm going to keep that between us. And so they give me the information and I could put it out there and burn that source, maybe get them in trouble. But at the very least, I don't have that source anymore for what? So I can name you a couple candidates for the offensive coordinator job that are going to, is going to have no bearing on who the hire is going to be anyway. Not going to do that. Number two is these coaches are currently have jobs. And what if they don't get the job? Imagine how Notre Dame fans would have felt if Tommy Reese would have interviewed for the Alabama job and then came back. A lot of you would have been like, don't can't forgive him because he interviewed for another job. He didn't really want to be here, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He got turned down for Alabama and he's just crawling back to another. That's what people would have said. So I'm not going to do that to another coach. You know what I mean? Especially if we don't know for a fact that he's a legitimate candidate. Because sometimes, sometimes I may know a coach and he knows who he's going to hire, but he has to go through an interview process. 
So he's going to do a favor to me, bring me in to help me build up my resume and my sort of, you know, cachet. So either A, I can go get a pay raise at the school I'm at, or B, I can get some experience kind of going through this process. I can come in and pick the brain of his staff. So it, it turns into sort of a, a, a de facto sort of coaches clinic with your coaches, even though you know I'm not. And that happens. So then yeah. I report that that happened. This is a hypothetical, but it happens. I mean, it's a hypothetical here with this job, but it happens. Right. And and then all of a sudden this guy gets burned and he's got to go back to a school and explain to his players why he interviewed at Notre Dame. When in reality, he was never a really a candidate for the job, a serious candidate for the job. Do you think players are going to believe that? Do you think the the boosters are going to believe that? No, they're not. And so that's why we're not putting the info out there. And then the third reason why is, Ryan, is because if we put info out there, then people kind of glob onto the first couple names that you mentioned. Yeah. Like yesterday, an hour and a half after I had very clearly said Brian Johnson and Byron Leftwich aren't candidates, you had people in the chat talking about those two coaches because it was out there and they just can't let it go. And I don't want to be the reason for that. So those are the three reasons people say, why don't you put names out? Those are the three reasons. And unfortunately, and when you do put some intel out, sometimes people like to screenshot it and put it on sometimes, Twitter. Sometimes it's stupid. Yeah. Every time. If I put every a time, fake yeah. name out right now, I guarantee within 10 minutes, it's all over Twitter. Yep. Brian Driscoll confirms by some fake Twitter account that steals people's information. Yeah. You know, and CFB Watcher or whatever the heck right. your name is. I'm not like, even giving yeah, that guy yeah. oxygen, but yes, <laughs> that clown. I have heard yep. from sources. Your sources, you read it on a message board, you clown. <laughs> you don't have sources, man. <laughs> so funny yeah so anyway that's my tangent and i and maybe that'll answer some questions that people have because i know a lot of people wonder that like why don't you put it out there that's why because we're not entitled to that information that's the other thing so okay irish blooded here we go ryan irish blooded what do you enjoy watching more as a fan a fast-paced offense or an elite shutdown defense i mean for me it's the defense i'm a defensive guy right and i think that Fast paced offense. I mean, I mean, also I responded, I would say a fast paced offense does not necessarily mean a good offense, right? I mean, like you can have a fast paced offense that also is just not very good. That that's the reason that they're trying to go fast paced is because they're trying to get a team off balance because they're not actually good. Like there's not much substance behind it, but I think an elite shutdown defense. I mean, it's beautiful, man. When you see gaps that are just consistently filled, when you see guys having to get spilled to the outside, because there's nowhere to go. When you see the, the, teamwork associated with playing defense. That's my favorite thing because a lot of times the elite shutdown defenses aren't just one player driven, right? It's not, everything's not siphoned to one linebacker making every tackle. Usually it's like, just because these guys work really well together. Maybe you don't have a dude up front. That's an all pro, but all four of your dudes are dependable, good football players and they work well off of each other. So give me elite, give me shutdown over fast pace. Cause I don't know if fast pace is good. I'm an offensive guy, and it's rare that I would prefer a, a fast-paced offense over an, a, just an elite shutdown defense. Because elite shutdown defense, and, and that that answer's changed over the years, right, Ryan, for me. 10, 15, 20 years ago, an elite shutdown defense was a part of boring football. I mean, you're talking like 10 to 7 games, and, and nowadays it's like, you know, I, I have a lot more respect for it now because there's so much more intricacy that comes from it. You've got to be able to handle space. You've got to be able to handle the fast pace. It's a lot harder now to be an elite shutdown defense. And so I have a lot more respect for that now. And I enjoy that now more because it's not just one of those things where it's like everybody's playing the same offense, basically some version of power football. 
Because like you remember when Steve Spurrier came out in the 80s and, and early 90s and was throwing the ball all around. It was such this foreign thing. Like nobody was doing that, right? And then Florida State came out with their sort of their their what they what did they Spurs the fun and gun I forget what Florida State called theirs they were like basically twenty personnel shotgun there weren't a lot of teams doing shotgun back then even Florida didn't do shotgun all the time and those were such foreign things I mean everybody was under center some semblance of a of a power run game you'd have the occasional Miami that that threw the ball up but they still did it out of the same formations that most other people ran stuff out of and so if you were an elite defense it's just like okay like. You just had better players than them in a lot of yep. instances, right? And and so now it's just like, wow, man, this is some of these defenses now. It's like, boy, to be able to shut that down and stop that, it's impressive. Yep. What I would prefer most is give me a really efficient, high, 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 just a high efficiency, big explosive pro style offense where you're talking about motions and shifts and isos and things like that that's what i enjoy on offense i these up tempo where they run five plays it's it's really good stuff but it's not my favorite thing in the world to watch i don't dislike it it's just not my favorite thing in the world to watch because it's just it's not as for me it's not as mentally challenging for me it's just you know like i would much rather go back and watch film of david shaw back in 2012 than lincoln riley right now and that's not a shot at lincoln riley i mean he's doing great stuff and it's working it's just for me my personal preference is more of that style of football because uh, there's just more x's and o's involved in it in my opinion it doesn't mean it's better or worse it's just it comes down to personal preference you know that's yeah. really what it boils down to for me no doubt from irish blooded do you think regardless of who the starter is this year that kenny minchie is the number three quarterback over steve angeli and does who the starter is have any impact on that? Oh, I'd be, I'd be, I would be a little surprised if they have Kenny Minchie as number three, uh, unless there's an injury, and he's got to, ha- and one of those two is guys going to have to play. I think Kenny Minchie's a better prospect than Steve Angeli. I think Steve Angeli has an advantage by being in a college system for a year, a little bit more. Now it's somewhat neutralized now by a new coach coming in, so he doesn't have that year of learning the offense, but. Kenny Minch is going to redshirt this year, barring a bunch of bad stuff happening. Yeah. So unless there's an injury or somebody transfers, I don't, I don't see that this year. And, and I don't want that. I mean, I want to let him get healthy, let him get a year in the weight room, let him learn the offense, let him preserve a year of eligibility, maybe get him in a couple games. But you know, I, I think, I think that uh, right now, if we're just talking about third string, I'd rather have Steve Angeli up there. I also love the idea of having a quarterback down on scout team and letting them get work against your first team defense. I think that's a very underrated thing, very underrated thing. And I know you're not learning your offense, but that's where the offensive coordinator and the quarterbacks coach has to do a good job of making sure you're still keeping that guy up to speed on what you're doing. But I love the live bullets that he's going to get down there uh, playing against the scout team defense. I think that's a much better in practice thing for then a quarterback to get 10 reps in a, a day in practice because he's the yeah. third string guy. Look, third string quarterbacks get very few reps in practice, very few. And I don't want that to be Kenny Minchie this year with all due respect. So that's where I'm at. I, I wanted and, to get and, to a question. Go ahead, Ryan. Well, and could I just say for, there was a second part and does the start, who is the starter have any impact mm-hmm. on that now? No, it no. doesn't. It's not like you're going to make a guy a third string just because you have <laughs> – a Tyler Buckner S starter or a Sam Hartman S starter. It's just, yeah. that's the hierarchy of the position. This is a, this is a question that came in later. It's a good question that I want to get to now. Cause I know a sure. lot of people have this question and this is from ant VR Ryan. So let's go ahead and take, take a shot at this one 
from Anthiar. Thank you for the question. Do you think it's fair to have a sliver of concern with CJ Carr? He's typically pretty outspoken on social media, and it relates to Notre Dame. But since the Tommy Reese departure, he's been silent. Number one, I think it's a it's an unfair thing to try to read into a kid's social media postings from abundance or a lack of. If CJ Carr is as smart as I think he is, he has nothing to gain by speaking out now. Let's just say hypothetically, CJ says, hey, no matter who they bring in, I'm locked into Notre Dame. I'm coming to Notre Dame. And then they hire a coach that recruited him and he didn't like or said something offensive to him or or just has told CJ, hey, man, we like you, but we like this other guy better. We don't think you fit our system. And then he gets brought in as the offensive coordinator. And then CJ goes back. Oh, you went back on your words. You weren't honest. You know, you said you were locked in and you didn't. You can't trust kids these days. When in reality, that's not it's not at all what happened. And and so for CJ, the best thing to do is talk to your recruits, talk to your staff, and he talked to the staff, which he's doing both of those, and let the let the situation play out. There, there's no benefit to CJ commenting right now. It may make some of us feel better. And so I think the question is very fair. It's just I wouldn't base that off of social media stuff. Uh, from what, everything we've been told, Ryan, as long as it's a good hire, CJ's locked in. But he has to be willing to leave that opening there in case they hire someone that that there's a reason he chose Notre Dame over other schools. What if one of those reasons is he liked this other school, but him and the coordinator didn't click, and that's who Notre Dame hires. And then if he backs out, he's going to be the one that catches the flack for that. So so yep. why do that? Sit back, keep your mouth shut publicly, do your seven-on-seven, seven, do your workouts, talk to the commits, talk to the coaching staff, and then have whatever you need to say once the hire is made. No doubt. That's what he needs to do, in my opinion. So uh, is it fair to have a sliver of concern? Sure. Yeah, it's fair. Whenever there's a coaching transition, it's fair to wonder if you're maybe hold on to the class. It's totally fair. It's just I wouldn't, I wouldn't read into the social media aspect of it because if he's a smart, savvy kid, he's going to stay off of social media right now in those areas. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's a dead period, so it's not like I can go visit anywhere. It's not like I can come on campus and meet the candidates or whatever the case may be. So there's there's no reason to to really say anything right now, in my opinion. I think he's playing this the right way. And it's not gonna make us all all of us feel better. We all want him to come out and say, Hey, no matter what, I'm coming. But he sure. can't guarantee that. Like I made a joke on um on the Bill King show today. What if they're gonna hire Kenny Amatololo? The question was in reference to Sam Hartman. Is he locked in? I'm like, Yeah, he's locked in for now. But I was like, but what if they go out and hire Kenny Amatololo as the offensive coordinator? It's not happening. It's not a real name. I'm using that to make a point. You think Sam Hartman's going to be like, yeah, okay, cool. I just love Notre Dame so much I'm going to run the triple option? Of course <laughs> not, right? So a guy can be as locked in as he as he is until there's actually a coordinator to, to evaluate and, and engage, right? Exactly. And so that's where I think all these kids need to be. It's just keep your, keep your mouth shut. Just keep doing what you're doing. And then when a hire is made, then you can go say whatever it is you need to say. So, so it's a very good question. That's why I kind of put it to the top of the line, top of the uh, you know front of the line, Ryan, because I really feel like I know there's a lot of people that are feeling that same way. Sure. And so I want to be able to address that question. Uh, right I, I would say I would say the concern would more come if the hire happens and CJ is still silent, right? Like that would be much more worrisome right. to me now, if he's silent. Give now. it a week. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, not like instantaneously. Like, right. Yay. But right. Like, yeah. Right. 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 That, but even then, what, yeah. I'd still say don't read into what kids say publicly on Twitter. Exactly. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, like nothing drives me more nuts than people like follow the likes. And I'm like, but why? That's so creepy. Like, <laughs> it's creepy. Just don't like this the flight tracker thing. Oh, yeah. There's these people that are literally following flight trackers into South Bend from these other campuses. And they're trying to use that to evaluate who the next coordinator interview is going to be. And I'm like, that's so weird and creepy. It's like we were just talking about. Yeah, it's a freaking thing, apparently. (laughs) Oh, wow. But like we were just talking about like paparazzi and the but it's like there are people that will listen to that because fans are so starved for information and feel like they deserve the information that they'll just glob on. That's why people just ran with the Byron Leftwich stuff. There's still people in this chat. I know for a fact that still think Byron left, which is a candidate for the Notre Dame offensive coordinator job because it was out there on social media. So, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff, but I mean, just let it, let it, let it play out. Sure. I know, I know y'all don't want to hear that, but, and I, and I trust me. And if I was in y'all shoes, I'd part of the reason I'm calm is because I do have information. If I was in y'all shoes, I'd be kind of like, I'd be chewing my fingernails off because this is such an important hire for Notre Dame. They've got yes. to get it right. So I feel y'all on this one. I really do. I'm not chastising you at all. Uh, if I was in your shoes, I'd feel the same way. I'm just saying just as best you can, just be patient. Let it play out so far from what I'm hearing. I like what I'm hearing. It's going in the right direction. We'll see how, how it finishes at this point. You know, you know, when you're talking about like the turbulent relationship that could potentially come in, if you hire a coordinator that maybe CJ doesn't get along with or something like that, I started thinking about how, Tommy Reese now down in Alabama, Julian Sainz committed in that class. And Julian mm-hmm. had a good relationship with Notre Dame, obviously, but we know that CJ was their guy, right? You didn't pick Julian Sainz at that point. So it's like, ooh, that's a little bit of an awkward situation, you right. know, for you definitely have to have a little nice conversation right. to make sure that relationship's still good. So Right. And then see what Tommy's answers are. Well, I just thought CJ Carr was better than you. Okay. Well, I think Ohio State's better than Alabama. <laughs> I mean, I mean, right. I mean, that's the thing is like, that's a real thing from these kids. And I, and I look, I would be the same way. I would be absolutely the same way. I don't, I don't, I don't blame those kids at all for having that in their mind. Like I was the second choice there. I was the third choice there. Like that's not where I want to be. So right. yeah, going to be interesting. Yep. Here's one from NH. This is an interesting one. How would you schedule out the college football calendar? That's an in-depth question. <laughs> That's so, a lot of information. So here's a couple things that I would do. So let's look yeah. at team stuff. Yeah. Number one is I would really try to build uh, either an, maybe an extra buy into the season. Now, I understand why some schools are hesitant to do that because now you get more home games that are going to be during a time when you don't have students on campus because you're going to start earlier. You have to start in August, basically. I would always have the season start a week earlier and have an extra buy. I would also give teams extra extra practice time. I'd give them an extra week, maybe, maybe to 10 days of, of fall camp. Uh, and then I would limit the number of days in a row you can go, right? So I think stretching it out now where maybe you don't put as much of the physical work onto them, but allow them to have more time. Because here's something I believe that needs to be added more into college football, especially in the fall camp. I think there needs to be more time that these players can spend bringing in people from the academic world onto campus, helping to prep prep them for the semester, uh, bringing in mental health specialists to help kids with just kind of the rigors of college football. And every kid is going to be different. You're going to be talking with Kenny Minchie about different things than you're talking with Sam Hartman about. For Kenny Minchie, it's getting used to college football. For Sam Hartman, it's like, dude, you're going to have a lot more pressure on you right now than you've ever had before. Here's how let's let's deal with that. I just think there's so many things that can can benefit these young men not just on the field. I mean, there'll be extra time on the field, but there's other things that I want to work into them, giving them more time, 
to kind of learn the offense and learn the system and things like that is definitely something that I would do. I mean, they're already on campus early in the summer anyway. So why not let them start having more team organized practices? That's something that I would do. Uh, I, I think that some, that, um, Another thing that I would do, Ryan, is the so so like the football calendar. I wouldn't change a ton. Uh, the only other thing I would do is I would open up the opportunity for teams, if they so choose, to have a three day period where they can kind of go. They can have uh, practices with another team, if they so choose. Uh, I would have it at least two weeks away from the sto- the opener. It's like about two weeks away from the opener, uh, but I would give teams a window of about five to six days where they can have three practices against another team so like if Notre Dame and Purdue wanted to kind of say hey look let's schedule we'll meet at Culver you know there's enough let's say there's enough facilities there or hey we're not in school you guys can come to our place this year we'll come to your place next year I think that'd be a cool experience for these kids you know let the Purdue players stay in the Notre Dame dorms obviously you've got to respect the dorms and and the school would be liable if there's any damages but you know there's some interaction you get to meet other players you get to compete against them you get to have to you know, work on kind of preparing to play somebody that's not doing what you're doing. You do some seven on sevens together. You should do some one on ones together. You'll do some install stuff on your own on different fields. And then you come together for all the one on ones and the seven on sevens and the teams and things like that. I think those would be great things for players. I think it allows them to kind of build into because one of the things that concerns me, Ryan, especially in this era of where you just don't tackle and practice a lot, that we're taking these kids and they're going through a month of just not a lot of physicality anymore and they're just throwing them into a game. You know, I think something like that, you know, you, you've got the Saturday scrimmages and all that, but it's different, you know, where you're hitting another team now, not as much, but you're hitting another team and and you get to kind of work on some of that stuff. And I, I think stuff like that would be good for players, good for, for teams. And there's going to be some logistical issues with some teams. But for the most part, there's really not a lot of Division One teams that don't have somebody somewhat close by. Sure. And if you can't afford to do it, then don't do it. Right. But you still then you can just practice on your own. But I would open that up to teams as well. I think that there'd be a lot of there'd be a lot of benefits to that, in my opinion. So from a team standpoint, those are the things that I would change about the calendar. It's interesting, the team versus team interactions, because, I mean, you think about it. High school football have several scrimmages each year before the first game. Right. NFL obviously has preseason. We even see more and more teams now doing the joint practice stuff too on the NFL level. But sandwiched right in the middle there is college football where they don't really have any scrimmage opportunities outside of, you know, one verse twos or, right. you know, just a, simula- a simulated scrimmage in right. in a practice of the same guys that you see every day. So right. it's interesting, man. It really is. Cause I, I think that would be very beneficial. Yeah. It would. Because I remember like coaching high school, it's like, after a couple weeks, you're like kind of going mad because you're like, we just see the same dudes right. every. Oh, great! You have our checks day. down, Pat, because you've heard us right. say it a thousand times. Good uh, for we, you. We, we'd right. always get those scout team heroes because they oh, know yeah. what play is coming. It's like, yeah. all right, guy. Well, next play we're going to yeah. run a trap and right. knock your butt on the ground. We did right on a freaking sure. card for you. You exactly. know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. And the other thing too, Ryan, to me is I'm not a huge fan of just the one-off scrimmage. Because I don't think you get a lot of great work in those. And co- like Division three level, we would have a, a scrimmage. We would scrimmage another team. And I never liked those because, number one, it's just like that one scrimmage. You don't get a ton of work with your first team because you want to try to get everybody into the scrimmage. And if you look at it, you don't get a ton of just great work. 
that's why I kind of like the idea of the three-day thing where maybe you're not doing a full all-out 60-minute game scrimmage. Maybe your scrimmages are more like like your practice, right? So you'll do the one-on-ones together, O-line versus D-line. You know, you do seven-on-seven together, and then you do some some team periods where it's really just like your 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 normal team practice where you've right. got 30 plays, and then, you know, we'll run 10, you run 10, or, you know, we're just kind of doing this during a period – and then the, our offense and their defense are down there, and then our offense and their defense are here. I think I said that. Like, our offense is down there with their defense, and then our defense is here with their offense, okay, on sure. different fields. And you can work it that way if you want. If you want to have it where it's more of a traditional scrimmage, you can do that too. But, you know, the, I would put some limitations on it. Like, it's not a 60-minute game. Like, for me, I mean, if you want to have it as a scrimmage, the teams decide agree to that, they can do that. Well, but for I, me, I, used to, I, I do used more to situational them. stuff. I used to personally, because in high school, we used to do two scrimmages or, well, two. I, I, so we always used to end with a game scrimmage, right? There used to be a game scrimmage like a week or two before the game. But then there would be two other scrimmages, but those were run more with how you're talking about as far as you would do some inside run stuff. You do some one-on-ones. You would do some offensive line versus defensive line work. You would break up a lot more is kind of the point of it, right? And I used to get a lot more out of those as a player, especially right. because – Again, I mean, to your point, I remember when I was a freshman and like you have your game scrimmage, it's like the freshman would get like the fourth quarter, right? So you right. would have like six plays or something like that. Right. It's just like, but it's if not you did like a three day thing, like yeah. maybe the last day could be your young bucks going at each other, right? Sure. Your threes. And then you have some fun with it, right? Because I think yeah. if you eliminate the scrimmage aspect of it, like where there's a game, I think you eliminate some of the, some of the chippiness, I think, if, if you're doing it right. And right. you see these fights with NFL teams all the time. It's a different animal, right? Those guys are fighting for their livelihood. And, you know what I mean? Like, and they're grown men. So. Right. And, yes, and, and yeah. those guys are fighting for, if I don't do well today, if I don't have a good practice today, I'm, I'm unemployed. You know, it's a little different in college. But I want it to be a situation where you can still teach. You know, if we're doing one-on-ones and Harry doesn't like what's going on, he can stop the drill, coach it up, and fix it real quick if you need to. Same with the other coach. And, you know, there'd be some agreements, like as the receivers coach and the DB coach, hey, man, let's not stop it. Let's keep going. We'll try to coach on the fly, and then we'll do some things later. Um, right. I would even have some fun stuff where I would have the coaches talk to each other. You know, like, I would, like I'd have the defensive back coach come for, let's say Notre Dame's doing with Purdue, right? I'd have Ryan Walters come in if he was the coach in corners, for example, it's hypothetically, and talk to my receivers about some little tricks that the way that DBs look at things that, that can help them. I mean, like, isn't the whole point of building up these young people and helping them be better players and better young people, uh, you know, bring in speakers to speak to both teams, you know, about different aspects of life or whatever the case may be. There'd just be so much benefit to that if it's really about building up the young people. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's really a cost-saving thing more than anything else, but there you could get so much value out of that. Recruiting calendar needs to be completely obliterated and changed. They need, they need to, number one, first thing they need to do is make the early signing period actually early and have it be before August 1st of their senior years. So kids who just want to get recruiting out of the way, don't want coaches calling me, even though I'm committed, all that kind of stuff, then let them sign in the end of July. Number two, they need more dead periods, like periods where you're like, you cannot have any contact whatsoever with a recruit. He can't call you. You can't call him. These kids need to be allowed to be kids. And and these coaches need to be allowed to be dads and husbands and other things where right now you can't because there's literally, if it's a dead period, you're still talking to kids nonstop. And the dead periods are very short. It's a year-round calendar. To me, they need to, they need to build in some more one-month blocks where it's a complete dead period from a business standpoint. But during this two-week window, 
no contact whatsoever. Severe punishments happen, right? And and I think maybe you could have a caveat to where um, if a if it's a recruit who's like committed or something like that, they can reach out to the football operations people about a visit they have set up if it's something like that, maybe. But you can do that in an email, so that way I can trace it. You know, send an email. But I just think these coaches are being grinded to 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 just dust at the collegiate level. It's the only yeah. sport in America where there's literally no downtime. You know, they can't they and, and if they do go on a vacation with their kids, it's like they're falling behind. And that's not how this should be. And it's yeah. not one of those, well, hey, don't punish me because I'm outworking you. You have no choice but to do that right now. They need to be able to protect. And I know these coaches make a lot of money, but they're still humans, they're still dads, they're still, they're still husbands and things like a lot of them are. And and we need to be looking at protecting them as well in some of this is, uh, stuff. And now there's going to be guys that cheat, but then make the punishments harsh. If there's any contact whatsoever with you and a prospect, it's a huge fine. And you can't recruit that kid anymore. You know what I mean? Uh, so there, there's things you could do like that, that you're not punishing the kid. You're punishing the school and the coach that did it. Uh, yep. So that way it kind of protects people. And so I think that's a big thing that's needed because you're going to start losing more and more and more good coaches to the NFL because they just don't, they, they don't want to deal. It's bad enough that they got to deal with the NIL and this other kind of stuff. And just the way that's gone, that's part of the business. I understand it, but the year round calendar is really the thing that's just wearing these coaches, right? Like Marcus Freeman is to be able to go on a week and a half long vacation with his six kids and his wife, where he doesn't have to worry about falling behind on, recruiting because he's doing it and that's that's just the reality of it right same with you know marcus mike mickens and his wife and daughter same thing with mike else when he had his daughters and his wife like they need to be able to just hey i need to be a, a dad in june or july or whatever i need to be able to be a dad in may or whatever the case may be because this job shouldn't be everything that i am but it has to be and otherwise you you fail so you're seeing more and more good coaches going the nfl because then they say once the season's over with i got a little bit of time to chill and I right. can go be a dad. I can take my kids to school. I can be a husband. I can, you know, make my wife breakfast in bed because I don't got anything going on today. Matter of fact, it's illegal for me to be at the facility today, you know, and talk to players. I think that's the big. If, if that's if I can only change one thing about the calendar, that would be it right there. And I think it's good for the kids too. They need to have times where they can just go be kids without all these coaches blowing up your phone and all this other kind of stuff. I'm and plugged. that's that's where I would be. You know, focus that, on your team. Focus on your life with your family and stuff like that. that That's one part of the job that can get very, like I feel bad about sometimes as a, as a person that covers recruiting. Cause I'm like, I'm calling like this recruit and I'm just like, how long has he probably been on the phone today? Like, has he been, has he been able to just like sit down and just watch TV or do his homework yet? It's like eight o'clock at night. I'm just like, that kid probably has not put down his phone since he got off at school, you know? And, and that is the tough part about it. I would also say this too, Ryan. I've seen like other platforms like hyping up the second signing day, you know, like six weeks after the first signing day. I'm like, this is the right. most boring thing in the Dude, world. Nobody cares. Like, There's like nine cares. uncommitted kids right now. It's like, yeah. It's so There's absurd. literally like eight kids that you're continuing to talk about. It's just like, this is boring. This also doesn't help the media side and it also doesn't help the kids side either. Yeah. It's just like space them out. So at least it's worth your buck as well. Like, it's just dumb. Right. It's very dumb. It, it really is. It really is. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans, after all, it's only pressure. 
You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Here, we got another one here from John A1. John was not the first one to get questions in today. Some people beat him to the punch. I dig it. But when John got started going, he he did his usual thing, got in a bunch of great questions. John, question. If Al Golden buys into Notre Dame and begins to recruit and coach at his potential this spring and fall, do you believe Notre Dame will have a top 10 scoring defense? You want to take a crack at that, Ryan? I think that it's very – I mean, so, John, for like just 2023 – it's possible. I think Notre Dame has enough talent where they can be in that conversation. I think the recruiting side of things, though, is more like a long-term thing, right? Like, is it sustainable going from 2023 to 2024? Does it make things easier? Do you increase your margin for error by getting better football players in here, right, at certain spots? But I think, I mean, Brian, in my opinion, is it possible? I think it's possible for sure. I think there's enough talent. But, I mean, you have to have that realization quickly, in my opinion, right? Because – Right now, you're looking in, at, at where you are. I mean, your winter workouts, spring's going to be here before you blink an eye, right? You're going to be in that session. Al Golden can't decide to just turn it on. And I know the question, John, says potential this spring. And I think that it needs to manifest itself quickly, right? Because I think that he is a person that I know can coach. I know Al Golden can coach. There's no doubt if he's locked in, he can coach. Just locked no in means coaching to college kids, not – basically yep. interviewing basically it's a it's a live interview for a, an nfl coordinator job it's basically and, how i feel like he treated this year yeah now maybe and it he, was not consciously but that's how i felt he treated this year and i would say this right now i feel very confident about the notre dame secondary coming to this year especially the corners right i think the defensive line is going to be better than a lot of people give it credit for good it's like it yeah. may not be great but it's gonna be good it's going to be a good unit. The linebackers are the one where I'm just like, I. Yeah, but it's not a talent I, problem. I hope it's not right? a talent problem. That's, that's the, the point. Yes. Yeah, that's the point. Is that that is the position on defense where the production comparative to the talent in the room is the furthest apart, in my opinion. You need to yeah. really ink and shrink that close together because if the linebackers play at a high level and the secondary plays at a high level and the de- and the defensive line plays at just a good level. That could be a top 10 scoring defense, in my opinion. I think it could be. There's enough talent in that room, in my opinion. I really do think that. Yeah. Let's go to uh next one here. Well, I want to say this to top about the top 10. Yes, they can be a top 10 defense. Look, Notre Dame had a weird year in that they gave up what three defensive touchdowns this year, or was it four? They, they had, had one they had a pick six against Marshall and then two against South Carolina, against, correct? Oh, oh, sorry, you're talking um, the other the other defense. Yes. Yes. You take those away, they were at 21.4 points per game. That would have put them at 27th, tied with Utah. The number to be number 10, you'd have, you'd have only had to give up 18.3. That's only a three point difference. Now, it'll be a little challenging be, for the same reason it was this year, because you can do a great job and still give up 
22 points to Ohio to Ohio State, 24 points to Ohio State, 27 points to Ohio State, right? Sure. Same thing. You could do a great job and hold USC to 20 point, 30 points. You know, you and so the fact that there is some really good offenses on the board makes it a little bit more challenging to be like top 10. But if right. they're top 15, they're going to be pretty good. But if Al Golden absolutely was like, you know what, dude, I, I miss college. I like it. I'm bought into the to all of the, what's the, it's about. There's no doubt in my mind he his, his the job he would do would be much better because he's a very smart coach and he was always a good recruiter. Yeah, it's just getting used to the cycle the way it is now. I mean, there's always going to be an a, adapting to if you haven't coached in five six years, it's light years different. I mean, it's just it's not same universe of what it was even in 2015. And so that the calendars changed, the NIL, there's all you know the the the, the transfer portal stuff, all that stuff is just different. And so it takes him getting used to. And if he committed to it, he'd be he'd be good at it. I mean, every it's been very few, but when we do hear kids talk about Al Golden, it's impactful because he is a good recruiter from the standpoint of when he's engaged, he's a very right. good recruiter. It just he doesn't engage enough, and that's the problem. So yeah, I think they could be a top ten caliber defense, no question. And- and I think it'll also be helped that if the offense takes the step up that we think they can and they sustain a little bit more, you keep the defense off the field a little bit more. And in effect, I think that having a better offense than what you had in 2022 as well would be very beneficial for a defense as well. So I think there's a lot of factors that go into it, but I think that we both agree that it is very possible. All right, let's get to the next one here. Trying to get, I'm trying to get somebody different. Here we go. Here's one down here from Vanilla Chill. Have you watched Colin Klein's film as a play caller yet? His style is very intriguing to me. I see he utilizes a tight end like a fullback, like we did with Tommy Tremble. What do you think of his offense? You want to take a first crack at that, Ryan? Or you want me? Sure. To- yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it, we just got access to a little bit more film. I would say this, just because you're right. They have, and they have actually traditionally used vanilla chill the tight end as like an h-back type of player kind of a hybrid player i mean you think back to like even when colin klein played he had like glenn gronkowski who was like his fullback kind of h-back type of player they have a kid named ben sinat now who is that type of player as well he kind of he can play in line but he plays a lot of h they move him around a ton i really like that there is multiplicity to how colin klein runs his offense i think that you see a lot of 11 personnel with kind of that H tight end look. I've seen some 12 personnel though, where you're playing with one guy in line as well as work with that H. And he definitely is a, is a coach that understands I've seen some two back too, Ryan. There's been yeah. some two back in some of those games as well. Espe- yeah. Especially with Deuce Vaughn, who gives you so much opportunity to mix and match skill sets. Cause he's such a unique football player. Right. But I think that Kansas State isn't the most physically gifted outside receiver team of all time. So everything is really kind of works from the inside out, which I do like a ton because I think at Notre Dame specifically, if that was the fit, I think it would make a lot of sense because you're always going to have good tight ends at Notre Dame. You're always going to have good running backs. You're always going to have good offensive lines. I think that's a pretty seamless fit. But he, Colin Klein believes in movement. He believes in establishing a run game. He ble- believes in play action. And there is a diversity in his run game. So those are all things that I really like. And I'm really looking forward to continuing to do, do a deeper dive into some more games because it's fun to watch Kansas State yeah. play offense, which is, I mean, if you told me that like seven years ago, probably I'd be like, 
it's kind of boring. They run a lot of stretch stuff in the pass game, Ryan. They run a lot of vertical stretches. Those are the high lows. They run four verts and different kind of horizontal stretches, which is like left to right. So they mix that stuff up pretty well. The big thing for me with Sam, Sam, uh, Colin Klein is, and it, it refers to the article that I wrote today, Ryan, forget what he did this year as an offensive coordinator. It, it was good, right? It was good. He's limited, a little bit limited talent-wise, right, with some of the, you know, outside of the the running back. Their offensive line's solid, but maybe one or two of those guys start at Notre Dame, right, maybe. Their tight ends aren't playing at Notre Dame. Most of their receivers aren't playing at Notre Dame. I think maybe one guy is starting at Notre Dame. There's a couple Nose, of guys to be Nose like in the rotation. Yeah. yeah. You know, but but and in quarterback, those guys aren't playing at Notre Dame. You know, I mean they're 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 just not, not with what Notre Dame has in 2023. In past years, sure. But what he did with Skylar Thompson and then this year with like Will Howard and Adrian Martinez, how he completely changed first of all, he made I've I've joked about this before. He made Adrian Martinez look like a competent college quarterback. And that's an incredibly impressive feat, in my opinion, because Adrian Martinez just does not have a very good feel for the game at all, in my opinion. And, you know, he he made him he made him better. Now he still has his limitations, but he also used him as a runner, 627 yards, 10 touchdowns. And Will Howard he did not use as a runner. Now, Will Howard has been used as a runner in the past, but he's not a great runner. And Colin Klein didn't use him that way. He used him more as a thrower. But if you look at what he did with Skyler with Skyler Thompson, and this is what I've always said, if Skyler Thompson could stay healthy, the last couple Kansas State teams would have been a lot better. And the problem is they didn't have a – Will Howard wasn't as good then as he is now as the backup. But you look at what he did last year in 2021, Skyler Thompson completed 69.5% of his passes, had a 9.1 yards per attempt average, which is really good and he had a 159.28 passer rating. Now, for reference, the highest passer rating Notre Dame has had since Jimmy Clausen back in 2009 was Ian Book in – two. actually, let me look. Was it 2018 that Ian Book had that mark? Let me just find it here real quick, folks. Just give me one second. I think it was 2008. Ian Book had a 153 passer rating, and that was in like nine starts, right? So it was – yes, it was 2018, 153.96 – but he was 8.4 yards per attempt. The next year, Ian Book was at 7.6 yards per attempt, 149 passer rating. 2020, he had a 144 passer rating, 8.0 yards per attempt. 2021, Jack Cohn was at a 151.83 passer rating, 8.2 yards per attempt. And then this year, Drew Pine had a 155.27 quarterback rating, which a lot of that was protected by a lot of quick stuff and a, and a high number of touchdowns because he threw a lot of shorter touchdowns. And then he was at 8.0 yards per attempt. So, again, compare that to what Skylar Thompson did, 159.28 quarterback rating. Part of that was because the touchdowns were lower, 9.1 yards per attempt. The year before, Skylar Thompson, in, in only three games before, you know, because he, he got hurt, uh, 62.5% completions, 9.8 yards per attempt, 165.29 passer rating. Yep. You know, so so he's done some really good things with his quarterbacks during his time there. Uh, as the quarterback's coach, Ryan, some really good things. And that's the thing that's important to me. And as I evaluate all these guys, that's something that matters to me is how are you developing the quarterbacks? Because you can call all the plays you want and all that, but if the quarterbacks don't know how to play the game at a high level, then it doesn't matter to me. Well, and and they um, they offer the run game, which is, I think, a big reason for that high yard per attempt average, is that 
I think that Kansas State has done a good job of scheming guys open in the passing game, right? Working a lot of that vertically oriented stuff that you're talking about. Also getting some really easy, you know, just kind of fullback, you know, <laughs> flat out of the backfield. A lot of stuff we saw on the ball. Play action. Yeah. Yes. Right? Like run the ball, throw some slide actions off of that. They had several big plays on those little easy throws. We just didn't see a ton of that in the bowl. And why didn't that work as well in the regular season? Number one, because teams weren't worried about the quarterback run. Number one. Uh, number two, teams weren't worried about the quarterback being a playmaker. They're like, look, you want to complete a flat, complete a flat. We're going to we're gonna drive on you. They had to defend Notre Dame differently after the first quarter against South Carolina. And then once Logan Diggs broke off that long run, they had to defend him even different, more differently. And and yeah. so as Tyler Buckler started making more and more plays with his legs, the backs of away from the on the backside of of like looks and stuff, it put South Carolina major bind. And all of a sudden those those little flat routes are a lot more open than they've been all year. Right. Why is that? Well, number one, they were hitting the flats with different players where it was usually tended to be like a heavy Michael Mayer zone before. Uh, but because they didn't have Mayer, Tommy Reese had to mix up who was out there. You saw Chris Tyree making plays out in the flats. You saw Jay Thomas making plays out in the flats. You saw uh, Logan Diggs making plays out in the flats. And now all of a sudden they're getting to it in different ways. And then that opens up some of the stuff over the middle. Now, all of a sudden, the corner routes are coming open. Now, all of a sudden, the over routes are coming open. And Kansas State does a lot of that stuff. And yep. the reads aren't overly complex. You're making your pre-snap read and then kind of reading to that side. And then the reason I like the backside high lows is because when I was a pass game coordinator, that's something I did a ton of. I'd have my concept to one side and then I'd have some sort of high low to the uh, side away from it to where you're kind of bringing the routes back to your read. Yeah. And they do a lot of that kind of stuff too. So uh, I, I like what I saw from it. It's not super complex, but it's also, I don't need it to be super complex. I've said this before. I love the talent their name has. Make sure these kids know how to play the game and then let them go execute stuff at a high level and you're going to rip people apart. And like you said, he believes in a run game. Yes. There's no doubt about that. And he's going to have three Deuce Vaughns at Notre Dame this year. Now, different type of player, but you get like lead back is more of Impact. what I'm saying. Yeah, right, right. You know, he doesn't have anybody like Deuce Vaughn. I'm saying like from an impact he doesn't have any five, seven guys that are like him, but you get, I was about to say his historically, there aren't many backs like Deuce right. Vaughn as far as and all of them from Kansas state. There's Sproles. Like, yeah, yeah. Almost right, yeah. all of them have come from Kansas state, <laughs> you know, yeah. but, maybe, maybe an occasional Dexter McCluster yeah. out of Ole Miss, but yeah, to your point, the point, your point is it's the impact. Yes. It, he's got impact backs four or five spots down his roster where at yep. Kansas state, it was like, it was Deuce and then a bunch of complimentary players. No he's going to have much more impact and a much better offensive line. Now the offensive line was coached well, but they would get beat a lot because they just weren't really good in some spots. They'll be much better there as well. And, and, and there's other coaches will sing praises just as high. Just this particular question was, yeah, was there. And the other thing too, is he uses the fullback like tremble because that's the kind of fullbacks they have. Yeah. The Sinai kids that, like yeah. six, four, two forty five listed, but that guy's like six, two and a half, six, three, right. maybe like he's more of a right. fullback than he is a tight end. Like, yeah. In okay. past years, they've used the fullback a little bit differently. Last year, their fullback, I mean, their tight end was just a big play guy. If you remember yeah. him correctly, the amateur kid, uh, that whose brother played at USC. Oh, e- Emator him. Bebe. Yeah. yeah, I know Emator yeah. Bebe. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of mumbled the last part because I wasn't quite sure uh, <laughs> what it was. But in the in other years, they've used their tight end as, as more of a traditional tight end. Briley Moore, I think, in 2020, if I remember correctly, Ryan, yeah. was used as a lot more as a, a more of a traditional tight end. He, as, he as was he was a Northern Iowa transfer. He was like legit six four and some change, 250 pounds. He was yeah. more than that because they they've had those types of guys. 
But then they've also had, like I said, like Glenn Gronkowski in the past. It's more fullback than he right. is tight ends, right? Like that's right. kind of – but he's still getting them open on the leaks, the delays, all that type of stuff. I'll say this. The one thing I like about it from a quarterback perspective, the offense that Colin Klein runs, it's very quarterback friendly. There's a lot yeah. of easy reads in that system, which I like a ton. I do like. Yeah. I do like that a lot. So very quarterback friendly. Here's another one. From Broke Neck Boy. What is one thing that you would change that you would have the most effect on the college football landscape from one play, one game, coaching hires, and recruiting? Well, the play thing, I mean, Ryan, for me, the biggest thing is I'm changing the targeting rule. And I'm totally fine with you want to limit headshots. That's never been my problem. My problem is if you want to eliminate headshots, then start playing flag football because they do that. You could call targeting on every single play on the lines. Yes. Every center and guard could get called for targeting. So why are we eliminating it from receivers? Okay. So you want to protect guys that are, that are defenseless. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm for that. I've taken some of those shots in practice before as when I played a receiver, I've taken the shots and the, the, the hits to the head and I've been driven into the ground and gotten a concussion. Okay. I'm cool. Cool. But let's eliminate the, the, uh, the penalty for immediate kicked out of the game because they're so bad at getting it right. And it's such an ins- inconsistent call that when you when you kick a kid out of the game for it, you're impacting the game, and then you'd go back and look and say, "Well, they got it wrong." Sure. And and, and that's the thing is, and so to me, I would then expand the 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 penalty. So, like for example, the hit to Drew Pine against Clemson. They said, "Well, it wasn't targeting because insert this excuse," and I'm like, "That should be targeting though." So expand what targeting is and then make it a 15-yard penalty. And then if you get two of them in a game, then you get an ejection, which is exactly what happens right now if you get two personal fouls in a game, right? And I think there also needs to be some level of, you know, if they they can review a, 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 a target, you don't, so you need, don't need to review it right away. You have to stop the game. It's a 15-yard penalty, right? Because if you hit a guy to the head and you, call, and you throw the flag, it's a 15-yard penalty. But what they can review and it can take however much time you need is they can then wipe it off of the kid's ledger. If they realize that it wasn't targeting, Hey, it was a shot to the head. wasn't targeting, you know, whatever the case may be. That's the worst part of the rule is that they'll review it. They'll say, Oh no, it wasn't targeting, but you still get the 15 yard penalty. It's like, that's how, why are you still getting punished? Then if you just said it wasn't targeting. (laughs) It's very strange. It's very strange. Any sense. So they need to eliminate that Ryan. They absolutely need to eliminate that. Um, Coaching I took hires. this, question, I took Go this ahead, question completely different because I thought he was saying like historically I take one play away. Like I was thinking like you know what yeah. if the bush push didn't happen yeah, or what if when I think college landscape I just kind of took a little bit differently. So I, I think the targeting is one. The one game thing, you know, for me, I would get rid of the twelfth. I would get. This is not going to happen. <laughs> I'd get rid of conference championships with the expanded playoff. You don't need it anymore. I mean, you, you don't, it's just a money grab. I, I don't disagree I just, with that. I don't think it's needed. Yeah. So, you know, if you want, especially if you want to go to 16 teams, okay, that's fine. Get rid of the call. Just If you're going to go to 16 teams, then okay. One team per conference gets an automatic bid. The other team is most likely going to be in there if you want to have divisions, whatever the case may be. I'd get rid of that. When it comes to coaching hires, they should flat out. This is another advantage to making the early signing period. So there is no December signing period. You have, you, and I would actually move the February signing period back. 
I'd probably move it back to like March. Mm-hmm. And the reason I would move it back to March is a lot of kids are going to kind of sign before. If you're, if you're not signing, if you're going to be an early enrollee, you can make your decision whenever you want, but give yep. these kids an extra two weeks to a month to allow all these coaching hires to fix. Cause what's happening is you're seeing a, co- a lot of coaches that are just flat out lying to kids because, Hey, we'll get them signed in December. And then I'm leaving two days after the signing date. Right. We saw that with Notre Dame and Greg Madison with Omar Hunter. He lied to Omar Hunter said, no, no, I'm not going anywhere. You know, cause there was the rumors he was going to leave for the Ravens. No, 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 I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. Omar signs with Florida within a week he takes the the job with the Baltimore Ravens and and so I you know I think that letting the coaching hires kind of pan out for the kids who aren't early deciders is good for them I think it also allows kids more time to take visits outside of their football seasons if they want to and and I would add a couple more officials onto the list I'd give kids seven officials if they want or maybe say you can take you know, two officials in season or three officials in season and four out of season or something like that, four in season, three out, whatever the case may be, are things that I would do to, to the recruiting calendar. So, and the other thing too is, uh, so if you change the recruiting calendar, then I think that also allows you to to go to more of a NFL style uh, coaching hiring window where you you can fire a coach in the fourth game of the year if you want, but you can't you can't interview anybody until the regular season's over with. Sure. So, uh, you can't hire anybody until until this period of time. I think there, I think there's merit to that because it's just getting so bad where you're just firing on these coaches in the middle of the season for two reasons. One is you want to get an early start on the next hot candidate, and number two is you're you're trying to get a clo- coach in place so you can have it there for the December early signing period. That's not and you say oh well these coaches are making they're, they're grown ups. I'm not worried about how it impacts coaches. I mean it picks that impacts them and, and I can you know, it's not good but. I'm more worried about these kids that are having to deal with all the stuff that they're always the ones that end up getting punished. Yeah. You know, so they may, they may have a coach they like and respect, but you're firing them week four because you have to do this, this, and this. And now these kids are basically their seasons wasted. Like, how's that good for them? So yeah, it sucks for that one coach and the 10 assistants, but I care more about the the hundred kids on the roster, the 85 scholarship kids, and then the 20 or whatever walk-ons. And so I would much rather go to an NFL thing and then bring in tampering. Tampering needs to be – look, if the NFL is – if the college football is going to have all this portal stuff and all this NIL stuff and the way the co- – they need to bring in tampering like the NFL does. And the tampering – and look, tampering is not – we're going to – the kid's not eligible. I'm not talking about taking eligibility away from kids. Here's what I'm talking about. If you tamper with a recruit, either a high school recruit or more so I'm talking about the portal, that kid doesn't get punished. There's only one punishment that that kid has to deal with. He can't play for you. He can play anywhere else. Can't play for you. I would then fine them, and they'd be seven to eight figure fines. And then I would say you're gonna. I treat it like the, I've said this. The MLB uh, international market. If a school gets caught tampering on a kid in the transfer portal, they can't go to the transfer portal for three years. They can't take transfers for three years. You have to make these punishments harsh and you actually have to put some teeth to them and then you have to enforce it. So you want to stop schools from tampering with these kids. And then the thing is, I don't care if you as a coach sanctioned it, talk to your people, get your freaking boosters in line and let them know, do not reach out to these kids. I don't care what back channel you do. Don't do it. We have the portal window. We'll find the kids we want then don't do it because it's going to get us in trouble. I think you have to bring some, some, some NFL style tampering penalties to this, because look what happened to the Dolphins. The Dolphins gave up a first-round draft pick because they tampered with Tom Brady. 
Yep. So, hey, you know, you better, th- it better be worth it to you to get that kid. But then in reality, you're not doing it because then that kid can't play for you if we find out about it. And, and then I would make the punishment even harsher if we don't find out about it until after the kid has played for you. I'm not talking about vacating wins because, again, that punishes the kids. I'm talking about the fines are even greater. If we find out and the kid has played for you, it's five years you can't go to the portal. Right? Those are things that I would do. If you want to, ch- if you want to let these kids still have the right to transfer, one time, fine. Okay. If you're not going to go back to the old system that I want or to the system I want, then fine. Then you better put more teeth to this because it's not good for the kids that all this is happening either. These kids are trying to play their season and, and they've got to be dealing with all this other stuff. Bullcrap. So change the windows, change the, the the hiring windows, change the recruiting windows, do all of that stuff to allow these kids a, a little bit more time to pre- protect them from the, the vultures and the sharks is what I'm really trying to do. And it also protects the coaches a little bit as well, in my opinion. It allows them, hey, may start it off one and three. We won our last eight games. But in reality, the way it is now, you don't get that opportunity. Right. If, and that's if the only there was a governing body that could make this happen, if only Brian, because I, I I don't disagree. You might with, as well not be Ryan. There might I was as well about not to, be. I mean, it should be self-governed at this point. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong, yeah. but it's that's that was like my main takeaway. I'm listening to, and I'm like, so many great points, but at the end of the day, is the NCAA ever going to enforce that? That's the end all be all, right? So like, it's like a moot point at that point. It's just like it doesn't matter, right? Because it's see, just. It's not going to be enforced at all. The NCAA is essentially the schools. The schools make up the NCAA. If there become enough schools that are sick of the haves, which is a small group doing that, then, hey, grow some freaking backbone and stand up and say, we're fixing this. Sure. Right? And that's what you do. And then give the NCAA that that, that teeth. And Because, look, Alabama is most likely still going to get those kids in a a, a more governed and, and, and strict program right but at least now we're doing it to where there's at least somewhat of a structure to it and i'm not one of those even playing field people it's not about an even playing field it's about number one right and wrong and number two these kids don't need to be doing all that and then you're punishing the coaches who do try to stick to the rules and who don't do those things like one of the reasons that i know a lot of george people one of the reasons they did not like mark richt is because he really fought back against boosters who would try to buy players they didn't like that Kirby has no problem with that. And they love him because why? It wins. They would much rather win a championship knowing they cheated than to not. And that's how most fan bases are. There's a lot of Notre Dame fans like that. For years, well, Notre Dame should start paying players. Why? Well, Bama does it. Then go freaking be a Bama fan. You know, that's kind of Molly's response. But I, I just wish there was more structure to it. I mean, that's what the NFL is. Hey, look, open season made the best team with the most money win. And it'd still be like that in college, but at least now there's structure to it. You know, these when when it's in season, these kids have one thing to worry about. It's playing football. Right. And hey, I don't care if the family reached out to you or a high school coach reached out to you. Tell them we can't talk to you until the season's over with. Simple as that. And then people know. And I think it would make for a much better system. And it would be much more player friendly, in my opinion, than what these kids are this meat market that these kids are being put through now. It's it's nuts. Yeah, it's not. It's unfortunately not about the kids. It's about no. money. So <laughs> exactly.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.